Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another of our Practice Manager Update webinars. Um, my name is Lisa Harding, and I'm one of the directors of primary care here at Wessex LMCs. And I'm, I'm really pleased that today we have uh, Dawn Chalcraft, our Deputy Director for Primary Care, and Ed Rendell, um, one of our medical directors. We have got quite a slim agenda today, so if anybody would like to ask any additional questions that we'll do our utmost to, to answer today, or if we can't answer today, we'll find out and come back to you, please do feel, feel free to do so. Um, if you could put them in the Q&A box, um, then that just helps us keep track of them and we can answer them and, and keep an eye on them, so that's great. Okay, so if I kick off and then I'll, I'll hand over to, to Dawn. Um, so we did mention this um, last week briefly, but for those who weren't on the call and just to give you a sort of a current position, we wanted to talk a little bit about the contract changes and what's happening up at the BMA at the moment. Um, so apologies for you, that some of you that's heard, heard this already, um, but just to confirm that the BMA's GPC um, has received formal contract changes from the DA. DHSC and NHSC for the GMS contract for 24-25. Um, after a consideration of those proposals at its meeting on the 1st of February, the committee unanimously voted that the current 24-25 contract offer was unacceptable, as you may already have heard. So most notably, the committee believed that the proposed 1.9% practice contract funding baseline uplift is nowhere near what is required to prevent practices being forced to reduce staff services or closing altogether. So as a result, the GPC officer team was given a unanimous mandate to return to discussions, seeking a significant improvement by the end of February. Um, so discussions have been underway with the GPCE and NHSE and DHSE since the 1st of February. We're likely to hear something a bit more concrete soon, um, but the final 24-25 contract will then be put to a referendum of BMA, GP and GP registrar members in England. So the referendum does not constitute a ballot on industrial action and taking part in the referendum does not pose a risk to any contractor, locum, salaried or registrar member. Um, the BMA is telling us that they plan to open the referendum in early March, ahead of any contractual changes being made on the 1st of April of this year. Um, the referendum won't, the result won't prevent the government from opposing the contract if it chooses to do so. Um, as you may know, GPs can only participate in a referendum if they are a member of the BMA. So if you haven't done already, that might be something that practices wish to discuss. Um, likely to be lots of conversations in the forthcoming weeks. As we hear more, obviously we will share it with you, um, but we just wanted to make sure that everybody was aware of the up-to-date position on where we are at at the moment. And I think I made Lisa, um, yeah, quite a lot of frustration, I think, um in that sphere about the a sort of 1.9% offer, I think the financial pressure on practices um, with the sort of 6% uplift, which didn't cover all the costs last autumn and national living wage coming in and, and looking at other branches of practices and and what, what there's been in other areas. So um, I guess just recognising that. And yeah, I think that's probably, you know, I think, I think A, this will probably be spoken about quite a lot just to be clear, we're not a trade union, we're not the BMA. I think sometimes people think we are, um, but we don't have trade union protection. We're not in that sphere. So we see our role as 
uh, informing what is happening and it's for practices to choose uh, what they want to do. So you're you're welcome to just know it's happening and not do anything. But as Lisa said, an option is to join the BMF. You want to be part of that referendum. Referendum doesn't mean you have to continue for a long period of time. Some people are choosing to uh, to join at this point, and it doesn't necessarily mean they won't uh, leave at a further point. Um, and I think just being ready for a, um, a ballot or a referendum on the offer this year. And I think the only other bit of advice really is just. I think there's going to be an ask of practices from the BMA at some point. So it's just how we decide as practices what you're going to do about it. So having those discussions early, know that it's coming and there is likely to be an ask from the BMA to do something. Uh, it may be, there's a whole range of things it could possibly do and, you know, including collective action rather than industrial action. And how do you decide as a, as a practice what you're going to do from that request so just having those conversations early and thinking about what's going to play out over the next uh, six months to a year thanks Ed. and we've got we have got a question in, in the chat and, and maybe with, with what you've just said in mind that's one for us to ask bma but uh if i just read it out so obviously bma members are looking at industrial action as a possible next step is there anything that pms can do in terms of similar I realise it's not the same, but some of us are UNIS members, IGPM members, and feel horrified at the announcement and want to show support. I don't know, as the honest answers. You, you, you may uh, know otherwise, Lisa or Dawn, but I, I mean, it is worth recognising. I think we often um, think of the BMA and the junior doctor strike. I think there are other unions available, um, and I think there's another doctors' union that usually stri um, took strike action at the same time as the BMA so yeah it, it BMA isn't the only sort of show in town and it, it'd be an interesting question to ask um Unison and IGPM to, to sort of ask what you're allowed to do I think the the key point is um needing to do it under the laws of this country as they stand at the moment and I think there's been a over the last sort of decade a tightening up of what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do in terms of industrial actions, or just making sure you're on the correct side of that. I don't know if Lisa or Dawn, you know any anything else? I don't. I think the only other thing that I could stress is perhaps we ask the question of the BMA who might have a view or maybe to advise yep. further. So if I take that way um, and see if we can get some more advice. Okay, great. Um, no further questions at the moment. So in which case, Dawn, I will hand over to you. Thanks, Lisa. Um, and I'm going to continue on that um, sort of vein with contracting um, to mention here that back in September 23, um, you may be aware, NHS England issued some guidance on local enhanced service commissioning through um, national GP contracts. And this set out how ICBs can commission a, a LES or an LCS. <clears throat> and I'll just define that's local enhanced service or locally commissioned service. Uh, through primary primary medical contracts, i.e. the GMS and PMS or APMS. So the guidance says NHS England's standard GMS contract and PS, PMS agreement all include an enhanced service section, which allows the details of such services and relevant specifications to be included where the parties agree that the contractor is going to provide, provide such services. So I think <clears throat> the point there is where the parties agree. Uh, the BMA's view is that there is no change to the right of GPs to choose not to enter into any agreements for the provision of these enhanced services. The suggestion of including services 
where agreed in the contract, <clears throat> excuse me, can be viewed as such as an alternative approach. These agreements can remain separate while being referred to in the single main contract. So an enhanced service agreement displays in a schedule can have different conditions. For example, it could be time limited to just a one year term. The fact that it is referred to in the national contract and displayed in the schedule does not inevitably mean that conditions specified in the national contract automatically transfer to become conditions in such an LES or a LES or an LCS contract. So I hope that perhaps is clear because I think some people have been asking about these services that are, it is suggested might be put into contracts. And if there's, is there any questions on that, Lisa, perhaps? No questions, but can I add an extra comment? Because I'm, uh, I like this. So, so um, you'll be glad to know that should be coming out in the newsletters. I've drafted a piece on it because it, it's it's wordy legal advice. And I think it's sort of helpful to to look over it. But um, yeah, I guess it's just been, in terms of being ready. We, um, I think we know for sort of two of our ICS, I think one has intimated they are looking at this and one have said they're not interested at this point in time. So it just it depends if ICS is one to do this or not, and, and I guess it's just being ready for um, for that if it happens. And I guess it's perhaps that we can't see it. It's quite um, a live topic, so we can't see the whole ramifications. But I guess that the advice is saying that it, it can't see any good reason to say no or real thing you have to watch for. And I suppose there are some advantages of having one contract where you you know exactly what you're you're doing. I think the advice is worth hanging on to though, because I think what you need to uh, make sure if an, an ICB asked you to change your contract in this way is just that you're following the advice, which is not, you know, making sh clear that the extra bits are extra bits and not attached to your contract. So um, doing it in the in the right way. Um, but it, it, it does feel different. Although I think, I think Lisa, it was, um, you were commenting, it's sort of going back to how it yes. used to be. Yes, some Back of us in the day. <laughs> a very long time ago. So so I think my understanding in terms of what it might mean in, in practical terms is that you may have a schedule that lists the enhanced services or the LCSs that you are signed up for. As as we say, you're still working to a, 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 a specification that will be set separate, we'll, we may have separate terms, so we'll have a, a termination clause within there, we'll have the payment rates within there, and... It, um, uh, any uplifts will not necessarily be linked to the contract uplift, but actually made it a local ICB commissioning level. So it's, it's just reassurance, really. I think, yes, it was done like this, some sort of pre-gosh, probably, I don't know, 2012 or maybe even further back than that. So it's not a huge departure from what was done originally. But as you say, not ne not every ICB, I think, is going to choose to use this vehicle. Um, I suppose the only other context here is just, um, so everyone's aware of what's happening in the other regions. Um, we've got um, locally enhanced services reviews happening in three of our integrated care systems. I think, I think Dorset are a little more settled and there's not a big change there at the moment, but uh, Hampshire, I'm sure a number of the core will be aware that they've just gone through a cycle of uh, reviewing the local enhanced services and it's happening at the moment for next financial year in, in BSW and I think Frimley are part of a, yeah. uh, a review as well. These, this is mainly being driven by the fact that you used to have smaller units of clinical commissioning groups. So for example, BSW had Bath and North East Somerset, Swindon, Wiltshire, three different 
CCGs and they've merged to become one CCG now an integrated care board uh, and therefore they're trying to look at um, rationalizing across the um, the whole patch the um, locally enhanced services but it's really unsettling I think you know it's a huge I don't think for BSW it's something like a well uh, millions of pounds um, uh, and it's um, it's unsettling to to think that might be moved around to a degree so uh, yeah recognizing that as well but um yeah, hopefully this is helpful for the specifics of this this new potential guidance from an HSE. Yeah, and we, we have got one question in the chat, which is, uh, we can't see the name, it's anonymous. So do you know, uh, will the LES specifications be reviewed anytime soon? They're all very outdated. As Ed said, uh, as far as we're aware, we are involved in the discussions that are going on in all the areas bar Dorset um, at the moment. So that suggests um that you might be from Dorset so we're not aware that they're they're instigating the reviews at the moment um just to add to what Ed said um LMC has been involved and is trying to ensure that we're engaged in the LCS reviews and encouraging very much the ICBs to make sure that they are including practice managers and GPs in that review process which we think is absolutely essential yeah I think um, we've been keen to promote uh, uh a model where we we decide which lessons are needed in order and they're costed appropriately rather than saying here's the budget and it has has to be that much because that's how much money we have sorry so we're trying to encourage that process and having practice managers and uh, gps involved has been really helpful um i think the only other thing is you know any change is always an opportunity here and i think it's worth just perhaps reflecting that this will help define commissioning gaps in each area um, more clearly and and that may be helpful to to understand because i think whilst saying what a uh, an integrated care system has decided to put in its its locally enhanced services it by definition has chosen not to put some things in it and i think that may be helpful for um the longer term view of where it's been hard because it's such a hodgepodge of les it's been hard to define that area in the commissioning gap and 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 do some work in that area and decide what um has been agreed in that integrated care system is not be done in in general practice for that population and i think um, that's perhaps an area we'd have to look to get into with help as we go along okay thanks ed and a very very pertinent question in the chat um do you think the price of lark will ever be reviewed it's been at the same rate for years and it's not been updated for years dawn i don't putting you on the spot are you happy to pick that one up because i know you're doing a huge amount of work around Yes, no, um, you're absolutely right. Um, and it is something that we raise continually uh, with public health. And when we set the local authority public health that actually commis commission the LARC services from practices in general. Um, I'm not sure which area you're from, but I'm, I am aware there is one public health um, who are just looking at this and are going to um, uh, raise the um, price of the uh, lark having said that um uh oh is that lou at the vine yes i think uh, so yeah <clears throat> uh they are looking um at putting the price up of lark in in one particular area having said that it's really not going to go up 
well, <laughs> it's not going to go up what we would like it to go up to. Let's put it that way. Uh, any increase is very welcome. I think the problem is uh, public health have budgets just the same as we do. But I think the one thing we are sort of trying to say is to practices, um, really have a look at uh, what it costs you to run that service. Um, we've just actually... Uh, Last week, I think it was uploaded to our website, a new costing template that we've done in conjunction um, with Surrey and Sussex LMCs that they put together a fantastic uh, costing template. Um, it will enable you to have a look, put your own um workforce costs in there it does most of the rest of it for you um, and you can actually see can you afford to provide that service and I realize that might be quite a difficult decision to make can you actually financially afford to deliver the service um, it's always traditionally been done by practices it's it's a very good service to be able to offer your patients but ultimately you know if you've got workforce and capacity issues and financial restraints um <clears throat> It's offered as a service, but, you know, can you afford to provide it? So if you have a look on our website anyway, it, you can just put in the word costing into the search bar. It will bring up that costing template for you to have a look at. Um, so, yes, there is one public uh, health area I know are looking at putting up the price. Uh, whether it's enough or not remains to be seen. Um, other than I can that, attest that I, I, even I managed to have a basic go at the costing template. So there we are. Um, I'm not sure I did it quite right, but I wanted to cost up something rather and see how much it might cost the practice to do. And it, it, yeah, it seemed really helpful. And I think increasingly practices will need to make those financial decisions. And it, it's really difficult because as Dawn said, it's um, you want to do the best for your population. And if you're closing off a lark service, they'll have to go somewhere else and there'll be a longer wait. And it's, it's not pleasant. And also I think as clinicians, um, I like doing what I do. I don't do larks, but people like doing... Um, lark insertions and and it's part of the identity and who they are but it it is difficult um to can maintain a service where you're either making a loss or not enough to to justify moving on i guess it's worth acknowledging that locally enhanced services come from two main areas so one is from the integrated care board that we were talking about earlier but they come from individual public health um otherwise and we have regular meetings and we've got one next week with Dorset and we, we meet regularly with all the public health teams I guess it is a little bit harder for them they've seen their budget shrink in real terms by a quarter in the last um, number of years and they have defined amount they're supposed to be doing so it's sort of it's harder for them to pull in a budget from somewhere else so the challenge from us to them is we'll do less and cost up what you need to do in a different way and I think yeah I think we've really seen this sort of shrinkflation shrinking cake model with the discussions for, for public health so that's that's a challenge for them about do they still want to do as much i think lark is additionally difficult because when you lose it you lose it so it takes a long time to train someone up to do it if you stop it for a year it's really hard to restart so the last comment i think i'll leave you with is just the concept of alignment so um if you're struggling with this speak to your neighboring practices your pcn and see if there's a wider conversation to have. I think it's. Um, I think we've seen alignment as a concept in a lot of different areas. I think we see NHSE sort of look at doing it, and um, uh, some of the ICBs also so saying, "Let's we're going to do a regional position on this." And I think it's worked. We've seen it work well with um, 
perhaps of practices saying, well, actually, I think last uh, last autumn, the price offered out for COVID vaccinations was very low. And I think only a quarter of PCNs said, yes, we will do it. And then there was a, I know, slightly politically narrative with it, but there was a, a change in the price there. And that went up with a, um, a sort of rejection by a large amount of people. So it's, um, yeah, I think it, it's really hard. Hopefully that helps explain why it's hard. And yeah, my advice would be have that wider conversation and see, don't be the sort of only one who's thinking this is um, not working for you and, and think of the, the wider picture and we're happy to support that if we can. Thank okay. you. Dawn, did you want to come in? Yes, I just wanted to add, I think someone's uh, put in the Q&A about Dorset. Uh, Dorset is a public health um, authority area that has put forward a proposal to uh, increase their LARP payment. Um, any increase, like we said, is very welcome, whether it, you think it's enough or not. Um, that obviously is for you as a practice to decide. And I just wanted to come back. So I think it was Lou at the Vine that asked originally, and I think the Vine is in the Hampshire and Isle of Wight area. <clears throat> we have recently spoken to um, that public health department. They are going to roll over their public health contracts, I understand, for another two years. And that will mean they won't be or they're not increasing the prices at this point, I'm afraid. Thanks, Dawn. Um, and I, I think that comment about Dorset too is possible about the LCS as, as well, that they haven't been reviewed for a very long time, which I think is a is a understandable comment. Um, and one more comment, uh, which is very timely, actually, because I think we've been deba debating this, just this. And all these services, LIS, public health, etc., if they don't start paying a realistic rate, more practices will just opt out as not, not cost effective. This is not what we want as it lets our patients down, but we cannot run on such low income streams. Um, and I think we're really mindful of that. And that's the conversation we've been having with the ICBs around this is a very real risk. Um, so I think that's very much uppermost in our minds. And I think it, you know, I think that, that is a really effective comment because I, I agree it's it, it's really difficult having these sort of conversations it sort of pulls on you um you know thinking of your population being in a worse place but I think it is the realism of where we are in 2024 and I think it is unfortunately these sort of decisions may need well will need to be made I think as businesses as we move forward so I guess the challenge is how will you as a business decide things like that? So if there's upcoming decisions around this, around locally enhanced services or public health offers, what process will you look at as a practice to decide if it's cost effective for you as a, an organization and how you would choose to decline it? Um, I, I guess the two concepts perhaps to, to take from here is the concept of costing a service that Dawn said, and then aligning and uh, considering what others around you are doing. Thank you, Ed. Okay, we haven't got any open questions at the moment, so I'm going to hand back to Dawn. Dawn, I think you're going to update us on MMR vaccinations. Yes. Um, <clears throat> thank you, uh, Lisa. So one of the questions that's um, being very busy um, uh, going uh, the round at the moment is, can we vaccinate our staff uh, for MMR, um, bearing in mind the latest measles outbreak? Um, and I believe Southwest and Southeast uh, Public Health IMSS teams have sent out comms in the last week 
um, that says something along the lines of in light of the Nationals measles outbreak and urgency to support rapid uptake of the MMR vaccine. We're permitting practices to administer MMR vaccines to their eligible staff who are registered with another practice under the INT uh, regime, the immediately necessary treatment. Uh, please note that this is a time limited arrangement uh, up until 31st of March 2024 um, and in light of the ongoing national incident and only applies to MMR vaccinations. Um, as you might expect, an item of service fee cannot be claimed for the administration of MMR vaccine to your uh, staff that are registered with another practice. Of course, your staff can still go to their own registered practice and that registered practice can claim the item of service fee. But if you're doing this for your staff, then um, you cannot claim the item of service fee. It does go on to say about indemnity and that you will be covered through CNSGP. <coughs> There has been a little bit of a question mark over that over the last week. However, we have just learned today um, on the NHS resolutions website uh, for the Crown Indemnity. They have got a banner on the website if you want to go and have a look. And it is very clear and it does say, so we have got the belts and braces answer here. Following a request from NHS England, NHS resolution is pleased to confirm that cover under CNSGP will be available for the period until 31st of March 2024 only to general practices and their staff in England for administering the MMR vaccination to their own eligible staff who are registered with another practice. And this is to support, as we've said, the rapid uptake of vaccine during the present measles outbreak. Um, so there we are. Um, it's probably been a bit of a mixed bag. Um, you can actually now vaccinate your own practice staff if they're not going to their own registered practice, you will be covered under CNSGP. You can see that on the NHS resolution website. Um, hopefully that will be helpful. That is a question we've had from many um, and it will help particularly, obviously, to get your vaccinations up to date for staff. Thanks, Thank Donna. We've got a couple of we've got a couple of um, MMR related questions in the chat, and, and one other around public health. So I'll, I'll cover off the MMRs ones first, and come back to the public health comments. So the second dose of MMR will be due after the thirty first of March. Should we only give the first dose? Good question. I wouldn't know the answer to that because we would only always advise you need to follow what the Green Book says. Mm -hmm. So I would definitely go to the Green Book. I think it is. I'll check in a minute. I'm sure it's chapter 19 off the top of my head but I'll check um, and there's some very very useful information in there um, about the dosing um, for adults uh, so that would be my advice first look at the green book having said all that I could go and pose that question to the public health teams no problem with that um, and then we could let you know uh, perhaps in one of our late um, newsletters usual publications if you like um yeah i'm happy to go to public health and check on that for you but in the meanwhile i'd say look at the green book yes so so silly question but but in terms of indemnity after fed yeah and i think i think for really this that, that's the concern so i think i think at this point in time and i think this is the frustration of the whole thing it's it's really shrinking into a narrow window okay. that it, it, it um i i as far as we can see this runs up to the 31st so i think for this webinar at this point in time I think we're saying it doesn't look like you can do a, yeah. a vaccination after that point. You'd have to look them somewhere else. But I think we'll have to take that and feed it back because that's going to be just too tight yeah, um, that's to do it. Um, so 
yeah, lots of, I think, as we see with these national things, it's like, okay, it's, it's finally moved and we've got something, but it, it's, um, it seems simplistic. You know, you, you imagine someone at the, at the top says, okay, do it. But then there's all these other cogs in the wheel and it's like, okay, we're the indemnity bit. Uh, hang on, give us a moment to confirm we're going to indemnify. You, you know, it just takes a while to, to log in. So um, I don't know, Dawn, if you're happy to, to take that as a question, but yeah, personally, I wouldn't do anything outside the, uh, the window that's clearly indemnified at this point. No. And just to comment on that, uh, the first vaccine gives 90% immunity, but won't allow our staff to carry on working if there is exposure. So, um, yeah, so we'll absolutely follow up on that. And then another MMR uh, um, comment. I've just asked the ICB if they were going to update the PGD for nurses. They thought that the direction of the direction to allow staff vac uh, vaccination, including this, but we're going to check. I've asked for it in writing to be able to reassure our nurses. Um, so that would be helpful, wouldn't it? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I understand Southwest um, Public Health put out that they are looking at that question and they okay. they were able to update through their usual channels with that. Yeah, and just a, a comment, absolutely good MMR, good intention, not quite thought out. So, yes, absolutely some questions still there to be answered. I, mean, I um, guess in our feedback, Dawn, I guess what we're asking for is what, why is it going to finish on the 31st of March? Could it, you know, could it go, not go another quarter yeah. on even to... So yeah. I think we should have a lobby for that to give everyone a bit more time on it. Yeah. Okay. And then I think we're going back uh, to, I think this is around public health contracts. So we just had, and this is uh, from a Southwest Hampshire practice. We've just had a letter of contract extension taking us to April, 2026. So I presume they're not going to put the price up. We have reduced, oh, I've lost my screen. We've reduced costs by a trained nurse rather than GP, but can't cost, cut costs anymore. So I think, and I think that's a, a really good point. I think a lot of practices are, are having to think about that too, aren't they? So yes, uh, difficult times. Okay, um, I don't think we have any other open questions at the moment. So um, just a couple more items from us, just reminders really. Um, I, I did. We did mention this last week, but Louise has asked me to bring it back today. So practice manager supporters, just a reminder that we are recruiting to our practice man manager supporter role. Um, if you'd like to work with a lively, enthusiastic, positive group of practice managers um, and you're an experienced practice or business managers, we are recruiting. Um, there are only two essential requirements. As I've said, you just need to be a current business or practice manager and, and you're, you have that positive approach. Um, we have got lots of information. Dawn can send out you send you the, the details if you're interested. Um, but we're looking to recruit practice manager supporters, particularly for the BSW area. But welcome applications from across the patch as well. We're not limiting it just to BSW. Um, if you'd like more information, please contact Louise. Uh, applications need to be in by five o'clock on the 8th of March. Um, so please do have a think about that if you can. And then the last thing, and I'm going to hopefully remember the correct date, is a reminder that the um, LMC conference is on the 25th of June. I think she sells on the call. She will correct me if I'm wrong. In Bournemouth, I think we've opened it up to bookings. So please do have a look on the website. Um, and uh, that should be a good day. We're just in the process of, of confirming speakers and the agenda. So um, yes, that seems correct in my diary. So Tuesday, the 25th of June, 
at the BIC down in Bournemouth yes. by, the, by the seaside. Yes, by the seaside, and that's an all-day event. Um, so just a reminder on that one. And we have one more comment in the chat. Um, if the nurses MDU provides indemnity for giving staff vaccines, can we carry over or carry on after the 31st of March? I think we need to double check, don't we? Should we? So we will look into that for you. So, so leave it with us. Yeah, I'd say because it depends on actually what they're covered. Are they covered for clinical negligence, which is what CNS GP does? Or is it just sometimes CMDU has additional cover on top of CNS GP? And that's more about um, representing you if there's any grievances or professional um, sort of disagreements that you need to, to answer to. So I think it would depend on exactly what that MDU indemnity covers. And I'd imagine it would be cover as long as CSNS, CNSSG yeah, say it's okay it's sort of face. it's augmenting the the uh sort of NHS cover but yeah. I may be wrong okay and as Jenny said there are two issues really for us to find a bit more about it's about the vaccine supply as well as the indemnity so we need to have some um confirmation around the arrangements for that too um okay okay so I think that brings us to the end of today's session we don't have any open questions. So I'd just like to thank uh, Dawn and Ed for abling, ably fielding all those questions and comments. Thank you very much. Thank you to you for all dialing in and thank you for your comments today. That's been really helpful. And we will feed back and follow up. And also thank you to Giselle who's working in the background and just makes it all happen for us. So thank you very much indeed. Um, we will see you again in two weeks time. All right, thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Wessex LMC's supporting you and your practice.